So uh, I feel like um, our team is pretty relaxed about this whole thing. Um, but it's not a place that you could walk into if you'd never been there before and really relax. You'd probably uh, be fearful when you pulled up until all the kids came running out because they saw the bus. Um, these places that we go and do the work um, don't have addresses. I understand there's over 64,000 residences in the city that don't have a, a number. Um, the postman brings the mail to uh, the favela and somebody there figures out how it's going to get to all the places because they wouldn't have any idea. Um, we get guides to go through it because we would easily get lost and might not come out. Um, but we're well received by the people there who know that Restoration Ministries is there to help the kids. And so as we go in, um, we don't feel the fear that many people would have going in. Um, when, when we use the term house or apartment, <laughs> um, that's kind of overkill for what it really is. Um, there are buildings that are stuck together by whatever they can get to stick together, some adobe, some metal, some cardboard, whatever the case may be. Um, but it's the place that they call home. And so th- I think our, our students do a good job of communicating what they learn from the experience, which is why we want them to go. And we know that the, the Restoration Ministries appreciates the help in December. It's their final month of ministry. They have one more big event that they do um, after we leave, but most of the groups stop coming in September. So it's the six people, the 450 kids, and the four different favelas. When you hear the term, everybody um, is like this, um, what our students are speaking of is the people who've been touched by Restoration Ministries and have come to understand how God works in the most adverse circumstances in each of our lives. And so um, this message... Um, this morning is really kind of about what we observed them living, how they live out the scripture in their lives. And I think that um, this will help us out as well um, as, as we go through this. Um, one more thing. We only showed you a few pictures. Um, we have a, a Facebook page called Brazil Updates 2012. If you have access to Facebook and you go on there, um, it was for friends and family to track our trip while we were there. But there's hundreds of pictures of what we did, Brazil Updates to 2012. If you join that page, one of our team members will add you. You can simply go up to the pictures across the top, click on that, and all the pictures will open up. Um, several of the students within their posts have uh, my whole album. Some of those are 300 pictures each. So if you really want to get a flavor for all the, the happy faces in the middle of the poor um, circumstances and surroundings, you can go on there and, and take a look at that as well. Um, if you want to open up to Romans 8.28 this morning, uh, we're going to focus primarily on this passage, the first part of the passage, which will be on the screen the entire time. We're going to break it down in a way I think that maybe some of us haven't thought about too much before. Um, as we read scripture and memorize verses, sometimes we just breeze through it today. Um, I want to help you soak up the words in this passage. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much um, for the experience that you allow us to have Uh, to enter a world that's so different from our own that makes us feel um, rich in what we have. And the strange thing is, God, you've allowed us to spend time with people that already think they're rich in their relationship with you. And and may that be a lesson to us today um, as we look at this passage about how putting our faith and trust in you um, will will allow you to fully unleash uh, your care for each of us. Thank you, Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Romans 8.28, I say A, because we're leaving out the last sentence just for the, today's message. And we know that in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him. I'm going to break this down into phrases, and there they are, the first one, and we know. So how do we know anything? I'm going to suggest we know because we choose to believe, um, we have experience, and then based on our experience, we, we learn to trust. Um, in the scripture, we know things because even our future is revealed to us as followers of Christ. In Revelations 21, 3 and 4, it says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. In the future, we see he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. No more death, mourning, crying, or pain. We saw all over uh, where we were. Um, and lots of tears. We have Paul's testimony. After going through everything he lived through, in Romans eight thirty-one and 32, he says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. And we know because we know about the stories that others have told us about how God has helped them through situations that they've had. And how do we know? We know because of our own experiences where we have seen God at work in our own lives. The second part, and we know that in all things, spend a little time on this all things, because I think a lot of times we just focus on the, the bad. And I want to suggest all things include the bad. They include the good and, and they include the awesome. All things. And all things. So all things include the sun and the rain. They include the happiness and the sadness. The joy and the tears. The heartthrob and the heartbreak. The strength and the weakness. So again, it's, all things is not just the bad. And I'm going to run off a list of, of bad things in my life. And it's not to make me, not make you feel sorrier for me than you already do. Uh, it's not to say my list is worse than yours. I have no idea how this compares to yours. But these are the types of things we focus on, especially we're in, right in the middle of, of these things happening in our lives. So I'm going to go back to age 15. After my ninth grade year of school, as we approached summer, my dad told me, guess what? We're going to be moving to Naples, Italy for the next three years. I had been in the same neighborhood at the same school since kindergarten up through ninth grade. And this meant saying goodbye to my friends probably forever because when they're done with high school, they all move on. So I didn't want to go. I was looking for a place to um, run away and someone who would take me for three years and I could stay there and, and go to school. Um, but we moved to Italy. Um, we ended up coming back a year later. Um, a year later, uh, in my junior year of high school, um, I met this girl. She was to be my first official girlfriend. Um, she was the high school's mascot. So I dated a panther. Um, we, we, it was official. Um, we had the, the discussion about, you know, you and me, nobody else. Yeah, okay. 30 days later, um, I was in the corridor at high school. My best friend and my... 30-day-old 30 30 girlfriend, that would have been cougar, I think, okay. Um, <laughs> my 30-day-old my girlfriend approached me, and she decided to be the spokesperson, and she said, Tom, I just have to thank you for your friendship and that you introduced me to Ken, 
who is my best friend, and, and now we're dating, and now I'm really happy. Um, so later that year, I still had baseball. I've been playing baseball since I was nine years old, and I'd gone out for the JV team um, in my junior year, and I went to the cut list on the last day of cuts, and I, my name did not appear, which means I was the last guy that got cut from the team. Uh, so moving on to the next year, there was another girl that I became fond of and uh, began what I thought was an official relationship with her uh, for the next two years. During that two years, on three occasions, um, I came to her house or went to camp to pick her up or some other place. And in each of those three occasions, there was another guy there who thought he was officially her boyfriend and I did not win. Um, so uh, let, me, let me move on. Um, I graduated from high school. There was no money for college. Uh, my family didn't have it. I had no scholarships available. Um, probably somewhat as a result of that and some things I won't share right now, I was kicked out of the house at age 19. Um, so a few years later, I got married. And let me separate that from the bad things for a minute. It's just a time reference, okay? Um, that year... Uh, over the next, I don't know, it was three or four months, I tore my ACL and had surgery. Um, I lost my job that I had had for uh, three and a half years, and I totaled my car the next day. Um, shortly uh, after we were married, uh, my, my youngest son had an accident. Um, he fell off a slide, landed on his head. Um, two surgeries and nine months later, um, that ordeal at least ended. Um, Moving on into coming to Corvallis, and a year after I was here, I found out that something was up with my dad back in Monterey. A friend called me and said, something's just not right with him. Could you come down? And you really need to come down. He's getting lost, and um, I'm, I'm not sure he knows what's up. And so we flew him up, uh, immediately was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, so my parents came to live in Corvallis at that point, and for the next, uh, well, still ongoing but um, we ended up looking after them and taking care of them. There was a lot of details to cover at the beginning. It was, it was not definitely a good thing um, at that point. And then three years ago, um, uh, an Alzheimer-related deal, he ended up passing away. So um, I'm going to stop with my bad list for there because all things doesn't just mean those things. All things is also the good things. So here's some good things. Uh, when I graduated from high school... My uncle gave me a car, 1967 Ford Ranchero. It did have 110,000 miles on it, but it didn't cost me anything other than the gas. So that was good. Um, a little bit later, uh, somebody offered to pay uh, for seminary for me. So I was able to complete seminary. Um, just before we came up here, we had purchased a house uh, some years before. Uh, we put the house on the market and sold it for twice what we paid for it. That was a pretty good thing. So let me move on, because all things isn't just the bad and it's not just the good. It's also the awesome things. And so here's a couple awesome things. A girl named Debbie accepted my marriage proposal 30 years ago. Okay? And it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, my son was healed after uh, two surgeries and nine months of rehab. Um, I got to... Uh, this, is, this goes back to bad good at the same time. I was told I could never become a youth pastor because I didn't have seminary. Um, the previous guy at my church had been there six years. Uh, they hired me, uh, this is an awesome thing now, 
two weeks after vacation, they hired me without seminary, and I was there for 17 years in that position um, and, and finished seminary while I was here, actually, uh, just a few years ago. So I'm not as old as you thought. Um, and then uh, shortly after we were married, another awesome thing is we, we got a free, no-strings-attached vacation anywhere you want to fly in the United States. Um, see, that was, I think, uh, Republic Airlines. They're no longer in business. Maybe that's why. But it was good for us. <laughs> So it's not just the bad, it's not just the good, it's not just the awesome, it's all things. Any of it, everyone, every way, every day, every part, whatever, whoever, all of it counts. So I want you to put that all into this, all things in this verse. It all counts. But about right here is a good time for an attitude check. Because we have to ask ourselves, what is my attitude about all these things in the moment that they are happening, especially the bad moments. What is my attitude like? If I can look back and see how things change, what is my attitude like the next time a trial comes along? Um, James says, consider pure joy when you face trials. Paul said to the Romans, rejoice in our, in our sufferings. And later James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. But in the middle of our bad days, it doesn't seem very good. And in the middle of everyday life and in the middle of our best days, we can know from this verse that God is at work for us. We can't see the end when we're in the middle, so it doesn't feel like it yet. But we can trust God to be doing what is best for us, and that thought as we trust should change our attitude. On the next part of the verse, and we know that in all things, God works for the good. So I'm going to take you back to Moses as he's recounting 40 years in the wilderness to the people and reminding them of why they went through this. In Deuteronomy 8, 2 to 5, um, he, he says it was for three reasons. He said it was to humble us. It was to test us to see what was really in our hearts, whether we could keep God's commandment over a long period of time. It was to teach us that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So 40 years in the wilderness. How long is your wilderness? This one. Has it been 40 years yet? Um, These time sequences that I see in the Old Testament, think of Moses rescued as a baby. 40 years later, um, he moves out to this other city, and while he's there, God tells him to go rescue the people, and 40 years later, he rescued the people. And 40 years later, he, somewhere around there, he passed away. And I'm thinking, we want everything to get better just like this. And the, the benefit we have of looking back is seeing how long people put up with things and how God is working over a longer period of time than we would expect. The thing is, when we read it, we go, oh yeah, Moses did this, did this, and did this. We see the whole picture from the bird's eye view. But while we're in the middle of it, we don't see that. So we need to be patient and see what God is going to do in the trial, through the suffering, and see how we feel on the other end of it. Um, He ends this little speech to the people. I thought this was a little bit of humor on Moses' part. He says, uh, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. So stop your whining. That was the TRV. Um, 
God sent Jesus to suffer and die so our sins could be forgiven. The bad turns into good for us. Um, God works for our good to bring us to completion. Remember, James said, consider it pure joy when you face trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I just talked about that perseverance, patience, waiting to see what God's going to do in this, how he's going to make us stronger through it. And then Paul told the Romans, rejoice in your sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And he also is saying, see, God is working for our good. Um, But there seems to be a condition coming up in this last part of the phrase. We know that all things God works for the good of those who love God. So the condition is to love God. Now, in the English language, we really just have this one word for love. So I'm going to do a little test here. If you'll do this with me, think to yourself, what is my favorite food? This is the food that's making you think about wishing you could have it right now. Uh, Just share some thoughts with me real quick. Chocolate, pizza, chicken, ice cream. What kind, Dave? No, I mean brand. You told me there was a brand. Lock meat, okay. All right. Anybody else? Cheesecake. Okay, so everybody now participate with me. Think about your favorite food or dessert, I guess, or candy. Um, and I'm going to start this sentence, and I want you all to say your answer to the blank out loud. Ready? I love. Okay. Now turn to your spouse if she's with you and say, I love you. Okay, see, that's kind of a problem for my wife when I say, I love Taco Bell. And then I go, I love you, honey. (laughs) Yeah, right right up there with 49 cent tacos. Awesome. Okay, that's the, the problem with the English language and the word love. So this word love in English is actually translated in the Greek as agape. Um, there's three primary words for, uh, for love um, in, in, that get translated to English, but they are eros, phileo, and agape. And in our Bibles, they always say love for either one of those words. So eros is more a sensual love. Phileo, in its simplest form, is more like I like you, like you're my friend, I like you. And then um, agape is more like I'm committed, it's, so it's unconditional in its simplest form. There's a difference between these words. So the word here is um, agape. This is the love that God shows us. So committed to us, unconditional. Um, and we know that all things, God works for the good of those if we love him that way. Now, it doesn't say if, but of those who love agape God. So the question comes, is, is that even possible for us to love God in that way? We're struggling loving our spouse more than a taco. Uh, you know, or chocolate or ice cream, at least the way we communicate it. And so um, that's the word that's here. And the question, can we love like that? Is it possible for us to agape God? And I think it is. I'm going to give you two reasons. The first one is 1 John 4, 9, and this is more of a 419. This is more of a fact. It says we love agape because he first loved us, both agape for the word love. Okay. Um, The second thing is really a person. It's Peter. 
And uh, so, so without going into a total history of Peter's background, um, he messed up a lot of things. Um, when he began to follow Jesus, he made promises he couldn't keep. Um, he made claims he couldn't stand up to. And he seemed or appeared on the surface to be a brave man. But when they hauled Jesus away, he ran away and hid and kind of followed along behind, just spying on what was going on. And then he denies Christ three times. And that's just in a nutshell the type of person Peter was before Jesus died on the cross. I'm not even sure he really heard Jesus say, I'll be back on the third day. Uh, when he heard he was alive, he did run as fast as he could back to the tomb, which was empty. Um, but when Peter actually got to see Jesus, uh, Jesus had come up on a beach after his resurrection. Peter and the guys were out fishing in the boat. Um, from the beach, he yelled out, hey, have you tried the other side? And they're like, yeah, who do you think you are? We're fishermen. So they tried it and it worked. And Peter goes, it's Jesus. And he dives in, swims to shore. And then Jesus confronted him with these questions. Peter, do you love me? And he said, agape. And Peter said, yes, I love you, phileo. So Jesus asked him again, do you love me, agape? And Peter said, yes, I love you, phileo. Uh, And then Jesus asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me, phileo? Like, do you even like me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you, phileo. Peter never changes that word to agape in that sentence. All things God works for the good of those who love agape him. So here's why I think we can love God enough. Um, Jesus accepted Peter's imperfection. He could see in and see that his sincerity said, I'm going to be honest. Like Kyle said, how are you? Fine, really? Peter says, I love you as best I can right now. And Peter, I'm sure, is thinking about all the things he failed Jesus in. But Jesus uh, accepts Peter and his imperfection and his sincere love. And God works in the life of Peter to make him uh, one of the greatest leaders uh, for the church. So as I look at this and I tie it back into Restoration Ministries in Brazil, they officially started about 12 years ago. And they've had highs and lows and ups and downs. And recently they've lost their main leader. Um, But they're still there. They're reaching out to even more people. Can you imagine six of you running a dinner for 450 kids? Now we did break that up into three, but really, you know. Um, Four favelas, four churches, homes without address, walking into the lives of people who live in poverty and helping them to see that God works for the good. The stories you heard from our students are a result of God doing a good work in their heart through the people at Restoration Ministries. Um, Touching more lives, seeing lives changed. It's not perfect, but God is working for the good of many people as they continue to love each other as ministry leaders and stick together. So what's your story? Just make a line right here because we've got stuff going on in our lives. Some of it we're in the middle of. Some of it we've gotten through. If you're in a community group this week, um, the goal is when you see those questions is to be honest about it. Maybe your group hasn't reached that point yet. But part of the reason we know is because we hear the stories of the people that we're close to and see how God has worked in their situation and brought them through. I don't know if you've ever tried to adopt a child from Russia. It sounds pretty impossible, but there's one sitting in the audience today. You know, um, all kinds of good stuff is happening in the lives of people. We need to hear the story. So please, in your groups this week, share what's going on, even if it's hard. You know, be honest. 
um, and then love each other through that. Um, a life based on Romans 8.28 is not finished yet. Um, it will continue to be an ongoing battle with wins and losses. But when we love God and trust him, it becomes a life of purpose, character, and satisfaction. I want to end with this passage from 2 Corinthians 4.15-18. through 18. Uh, Paul says this to the church in Corinth. And there's a ton of benefits of sticking with a relationship with God. He said, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And then he caps it off with this verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's God's view, the big picture. Our view is this little picture about where we're right in the middle of right now. Um, so, by the way, my story, that list of bad things, they all worked out for my good. Um, probably getting, just for you that have parents of kids that are like 18... Getting kicked out of the house is one of the best things that ever happened to me. Not because I didn't have to listen to my parents anymore, but I learned what responsibility was all about. Um, that list of bad things has all worked out for good. The good things are getting better. And since I'm not finished yet, I expect that God will continue to give me more battles and more victories um, as he's working to make me like his son. How about you? Will you trust him in all things? Let's pray. God, thank you for um, sticking with us, uh, even when we doubt, um, even when we've uh, given up on you, at least by what we say. We've walked away in our impatience with our bad attitude and said you weren't there for us. Um, God, I, I pray that you would help us to realize that these trials and this suffering is going to make us like, like your son. And... Uh, it takes time to grow and to be perfect, which isn't going to happen for us in this life. Um, but the process we go through with a good attitude will strengthen our faith in you. It will help us to help others that are around us that are um, walking behind us, um, to put our arm around them, to reach out to them, to love them. And it'll help us to be honest with each other, not try to put on a, a happy face about the things that are difficult in our life. Um, thank you that you've given us, as the kids have said today, to share our struggles with each other, to love each other. And may that change um, the way we look at things when we walk out today. In Jesus' name, amen.